Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Andrew, I I got something in the mail. Oh, fun. Uh, Did you order something? No, I don't think you understand. I got a letter. Well, I mean, that's awfully nice of someone. Uh, Who is it from? Andrew, you don't get it. I got a chain letter. (laughs) Chain letter? What what is this, 1994? It says if I don't send it to 10 more people, then I will be cursed with bad luck for five years. Oh, come on, Maddie. You know all these are such bullshit. But what if it happens? Oh, Andrew, I'm so sorry. Why, why are you sorry? Because I had to send it to 10 people. You didn't. It's episode 75. Curses are terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to Desiree! Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Where do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. There is a potentially dangerous social media trend that may have crept into your children's YouTube videos. It's called the Momo Challenge, and the consequences of it could be deadly. Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Matthew Ryan Zaradich. And this is episode 75 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. And this is your first time joining us. We are a podcast that talks all about horror, horror in real life, and horror in the media. And today, we are talking all about curses. We've talked about cursed objects. We've talked about cursed casts. But we've never tackled the infamous curses. Just curses. Maddie... What do you think about curses right off the bat? And then we'll get into well, the certified terrifying corner. My favorite curses are shit, damn, fuck. Uh, oh, wait, wrong curses. No, I mean, here at Friday the 13th, we know what our favorite curse is, and that is bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Also, also, curses, Andrew. Let's just get this right off, right out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. I, I can't speak today. Our own curse on this show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it happened again. It, 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 it surprisingly, it didn't happen for me. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more about that. Um, but uh, there's a there's a curse that we have in the show, right? So if you're new to the show, w- welcome number one. But what we do is we we talk about a real life horror thing, and then we pair it with two horror movies later on in the episode, right? There you go. It's a pretty simple thing. Um, there was a long string, and it, it's it's still reoccurring here and there. Um, where we would we we choose the movies that we're going to do in advance, of course. Duh, we don't like watch them the same day, um, and then we we like get ready for them, right? And when we choose them, we generally try to choose films that are number one widely available so that everyone can watch them, and number two, like they're free. Like, yeah, we don't always want to rent movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we always do that, and they're free and they're widely available. And then, sure as shit, the week of the episode. 
one of us is like, can't find it or it's not rentable anymore or this or that. You fucking name it. It has happened. How many times do you think it's happened actually in 75 episodes? Oh gosh, at least probably 25. If, If not more. Yeah, it's so strange because you would think in this day and age of rent like streaming ability like i don't like i'll pay the four dollars to rent it like don't worry about it but there are certain times as in this week with the grudge for me at least where i couldn't even rent it oh that's literally weird i had to either sign up for a free trial of stars or thankfully i had it on dvd yeah i didn't even remember that i had it on dvd so you know what physical media for the win (laughs) yeah so i i actually i i watched because i have stars play here in europe um and that's how i watched it i only got stars play so that i could watch station 11 from hbo it was the only way to watch it but um i watched the grudge and the grudge part two andrew all right Um, well we'll get into that in a little bit but first before we get into our main segment maddie take me over to that certified terrifying corner oh yeah get ready bundle up it's gonna be a really uh really chilly certified terrifying corner um so three things we're gonna talk about um in this one, we're going to start with this one. We'll start with this one, actually. Uh, Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, he's, a, he's an idiot. Uh, he signed the controversial parents, parents, pardon me, parental rights and education bill, widely known as the Don't Say Gay bill. Um, what this means is, uh, I forget what the, what the age bracket is. but for Third us, grade. Th- un- until third grade, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which would be basically zero to nine years old. Um, that is, uh, teachers are not allowed to talk about gender expression or about sexual orientation. It is a ridiculous law. makes absolutely no sense. It's actually harm. It's number. I mean, we know that it's harmful to gay children. We know that it's harmful to gay people everywhere. That's, you know, without doubt, but it's also harmful to like all the other children as well. I mean, like, and honestly, the educators, well, and and the educators, of course, but like the kids need kids need to learn about this shit. And if they don't have an outlet to safely learn about it, you know, that, 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 that's not doing anything good for the world or for these kids. I mean, like, like, you know, Andrew, think about when you were growing up, you know, we didn't have the internet widely yet. I mean, Mm -hmm. we had like, we had to rely on like, um, like bad stories about gay people to like model ourselves after. Do you know what I mean? Like, what if we like, what if we had a world where we like taught kids, it was just okay to be yourself and like help them and like role model for them. Do you know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah. And I can only imagine if, um, same sex partners living in Florida had children that were going to school that they couldn't even talk about their parents. And it, it's, yeah, it, it's just, uh, listen, look, and for, And honestly, what this has done for America, especially in the South, has now ushered in at least a dozen of these kind of laws that will be going into uh, voting and uh, into whatever Senate, House of Rep, whatever. Um, It's ushering in so many more of these bills, and it's a huge setback for kids growing up in an age where finally... Um, gender expression is being understood from a very young age, which is yeah. incredible, if, if I'm being honest. Um, and they're being suffocated. And yeah, it's, it's, a, awful. It's, it's, it's a really big setback, especially in the South. 
I just, I, I, yeah, but, I feel but, really bad. I feel really, really bad. I mean, it's, you're right. It's a setback, but also too, like, I mean, I gotta be honest, like I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to be nice here, right? We have fans in the Southern part of America. I get it. Um, maybe you should think about moving. Like, I, I honestly mean that. Like, why, why do you, does anyone want to live in Florida? I mean, look at this shit. You've got a, a wacky fucking weird governor. You've got a bill. You, you have actual law now where you can't say, you can't talk about this stuff in schools. Among all the other insane shit about that whack ass state, people should just fucking leave. Like, go get out of there. Like, go give your kids a chance somewhere else. Don't stay there. Ugh, it really, it's it's just gross. It really yeah. is. It's it's tough. I, I we I really feel bad for our listeners in places like Florida, Alabama, too. and Texas, and. I get hope things will get better. And, you know, if you do choose to stay, vote um, and and keep these people out of office. Anyway. <laughs> My God. Anyways, um, we'll, we'll talk about Russia really quick. Uh, Russia's relentless bombing campaign uh, hit a train station this week in a town called Kramatorsk in Ukraine. It's in the east. Um, it hit a train station uh, full of people who were trying to evacuate from the eastern part of Ukraine. They were just normal people. Um, and the missile like basically killed everybody, over 50 people. And it's just it, it, it's it's just one more domino in this stupid Russian invasion of Ukraine for a war that literally makes absolutely no fucking sense in any way. I mean, war never does really, but especially this one, it, it just none of it makes any sense anymore. And I just yeah. see people getting killed every day for nothing. Like no one like for I, living <laughs> for living. Like, I mean, like Russia doesn't really know what they want to do. It appears the rest of the world clearly isn't going to help except but like by, you know, doing some sanctions, which just seem to be doing the trick. Right. Like nothing makes any sense anymore. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with the whole news coverage of this and like watching it from afar because obviously we're yeah. really far away from it it's 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 mind-boggling that anyone would want to do this to anybody let alone a country that you once called your partner yeah. I, I, I don't know it's very strange I, I don't really know how to feel about it and the final item in our certified terrifying corner i saved the juiciest for last for the final bite um you'll, you'll recall from my last episode that i was talking about <laughs> Um, Twitter was going to be an absolute disaster the day after the Oscars. Little did and, we know. <laughs> ah, my my prediction. I have I am apparently Nostradamus because I was absolutely correct. And little did I know when I woke up right here in little old Dublin, Ireland, and I pulled up my phone and did my wordle and then went to Twitter, I was like, holy shit, what happened last night? Um, because as you all know, by now, I'm sure Will Smith has now been banned from the Oscars for 10 years and all other award show type things. Um, because during the Oscars, he, um, he perceived a joke from Chris Rock, who was one of the hosts to be, um, offensive to the point of getting up on the stage and slapping him across the face and then sitting back down. Um, it's definitely the... I don't know. It, it has it has to literally be one of the top five most insane moments of live television that has ever occurred in yeah. the history of television broadcasting. It is fucked up. I can tell you, we were watching it live. Yeah. And we both looked at each other and we were like, was that 
staged or was yeah, that? Yeah, I bet. It was so strange. I can't, it, only people that were watching it live will really know what it felt like to be so taken aback to not understanding what was going on. So And weird. then it was so strange because then nothing happened after. Yeah, that. yeah. Like he got an award, like one award later. <laughs> like it was so weird. So how, how do you feel about the whole thing? Listen, I do not have a physical violent bone in my body. No, no, so he's, he's lying. He has beat me up before. Well, no, I beat you up with words. It's different. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I just don't, I, I've never, I've never understood physical violence. Uh, I never will. The only thing I can say is that someone was driven to a point of, uh, they were driven to a point of insanity in their own head and what they were going through is what they're going through. Do I condone the violence? No. Do I understand sticking up for one's partner in, in a moment of a rage? I, I, I get it. I don't know Ooh. what you're supposed to do with that rage and I'm not sure how he should have handled it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not in good taste to ever hit anybody in my opinion. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I think everything from start to finish about the situation has just been so incredibly stupid. Every, like everything. Like, you know, number one, I, I don't think that comedians are all that funny anymore, to be honest with you, in the first place. Like, Chris, Chris Rock's joke, it wasn't even funny. Like, number one, it was, like, was kind of stupid. Um, and, like, beyond that, like, yeah, I mean, it was offensive. But also, like, you get up and you slap somebody in front of like you know that you're on complete live TV. global television <laughs> like and the thing that really bothered me the most is a lot of the reactions to it from like from from all over the place people defending him doing it and i was like are you kidding me like he just slapped somebody like and, and like look you may want to defend your partner yay for valor like oh my god what a hero you are um, but guess what? She can defend her fucking self. And guess what? Your partner, whoever your partners are out there, they can defend themselves. They don't need you to do it for them. And like, you, like anybody getting out to be like, oh, I'm a big bad man. Here I go. I think that's fucked up. And like, I just, I think it was a moment of toxic masculinity, um, which we all love to call out all the time. Um, but this is a great example of it. Like what? in the world was he thinking um, it's just such look, a strange moment from will smith because so strange. i like will smith i mean how, I fucking he's the fresh prince of bel-air i grew up with him for god's sake like well i mean who, and who doesn't love will smith and people of a certain age will remember that when he came out with his musical career he literally was one of these artists that was like straight lace like i i'm yeah. gonna swear in my raps like i'm not gonna do any of this he's talked about anti-violence with uh uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It's just such a strange moment coming from that yeah. person. It's, but it's I don't know. It, it's sad. It's sad. And you know, I, I, look. I just. I hope. I hope. I like. I said. I think he's a really good guy. Um, and I think Jada Pinkett Smith's cool too. I've always liked her. Um, I can't think. Of, what was she last in? Do you remember? Uh, she's been on that Facebook show for a number of years. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I think they're all good people. You know what I mean? Like, just. I don't know. Everyone gets some fucking help. And Everyone like, settle down. <laughs> seriously, like, you know, like I'm just trying to have a less, I'm trying to have less drama in my life, Andrew. I don't I know. I get it. Believe it or not. I but get it. Listen, that's the certified terrified. I cannot say a word today, Andrew. 
That's the certified terrifying corner. We'll leave it there. And let's get on with the rest of the show. So yes, today we are talking all about curses. So we should first start with a definition of what a curse is in the way that we are talking about it today. So a curse is a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. Mm. So this can be perceived in many different ways. Um, you know, like I said before, we've talked about cursed objects when something that you own is maybe cursed. We've talked about cursed casts and um, kind of cursed movies when it comes to um, there's, a, there's a great documentary series on Shudder that talks all about this um, I believe they just came out with a new episode um, they did they, the, it was about The Wizard of Oz I have not watched it yet, so it's excited good. to get to that. It's good. I watched it. Um, but so there's different utterances of this, but in this case today, we are literally talking about cursed people, curses put on physical um, specimens of this earth. Specimens. Um, and um, I want to talk about one of the oldest American curses. Um, this is Tecumseh's curse on the American presidents. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with kind of this curse, I stumbled upon it. And, I am. Uh, I actually am familiar with this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to, I, I to didn't know this. Fucking Tecumseh, man. He was he was fucking putting it on the shit. Well, I mean, he probably was right. <laughs> like, let's face the fucking facts, man. <laughs> So this is the Terse of Tippecanoe. Um, this is a widely spread explanation for why from 1840 to 1960, every U.S. president elected or reelected every 20 years has died in office. Uh, the rumor has it that Native American leader Tecumseh administered the curse when William Henry Harrison's troops defeated his forces in the Battle of Tippecanoe. Uh, like I said, he was probably justified. So. Yeah, big time. <laughs> So the, the curse starts with William, William Henry Harrison himself. He was elected president in 1840, and he caught a cold during his inauguration, which quickly turned into pneumonia. He died on April 4th of 1841 after only one month in office. I think we kind of all understand that uh, part of you know his history, and we all are kind of familiar with how he died and how he was only a president for one month. But then things get a little spooky. Yeah. Um, Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860 and reelected four years later. Lincoln was shot in 1865, and the next day he died on April 15th. James Garfield was elected president in 1880, and uh, Charles Cato shot him in eight, July of 1881. Garfield died several months later from complications following the gunshot wound. So you're seeing this 1840, 1860, yeah. 1880. Uh, William McKinley was elected president in 1896 and re-elected in 1900. On September 6th of 1901, McKinley was shot by Leon F. Whoa, that's Cholgosh. Cholgosh. Okay. Cholgosh. Cholgosh, yeah. uh, who considered the president an enemy of the people. McKinley died eight years later. Um, eight days later. Eight days later, sorry. Eight, eight years. That would have broke the curse. Huh? <laughs> um, three years later, uh, three years after, sorry, William G. Harding was elected president in 1920. He died suddenly of either a heart attack or a stroke while traveling in San Francisco. 
Franklin D. Roosevelt was elected president in 1932 and re-elected in 1936, 1940, ding, 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 and 1944. Um, although his health wasn't great overall, he died after a suddenly in 1945 of cerebral hemorrhage or what is more commonly known as a stroke. Uh, John F. Kennedy was elected president in 1960, ding, 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 and assassinated in Dallas three years later. And finally, Ronald Reagan was elected president in 1980, and through the power of the Reagans, <laughs> my God! Although he was shot in 1981, he did survive. Some saying that he broke the curse when just, uh, just say no, Nancy Reagan, right? <laughs> just say no to curses. Um, <laughs> but um, and then beyond that, George W. Bush was elected in 2000. Um, I love how this this article from Snopes says he escaped the curse um, yeah. and went on to serve for a second term in office. Um, so just some strange American history there for you all about now, our presidents. It's funny that, that you chose that um, because it's, it's a great segue into mine, mm. which is also dealing with a very uh, famous American president, John F. Kennedy. So Kennedy was part of the curse that you mentioned. Um, but then also Kennedy, the Kennedy family in general has a bit of a curse on it. Oh yeah. Um, we don't know where the curse comes from. Um, the, I couldn't find a lot of conjecture on that, but somebody along the line did something shitty to some fucking person who knows curses. Well, I think it was themselves. Yeah. They did a lot yeah, exactly. Things. They did a lot of shitty things. And so the curse is basically that it's just going to be premature deaths all over the place in this family. Now, look, I mean, people die. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really premature because you never know when death is going to happen. It just will occur for you. And that's how it is. But well, we can talk in a little bit about how we feel about um, curses versus bad yeah. luck versus um, right. self-fulfilling prophecy type of sure. things. But I mean, in this case, there is a bit of a pattern of really terrible things happening to, uh, you know, really big members of the Kennedy family. Um, I've got a string of them that I'll bring you through. Starting with 1944, Joseph P. Kennedy, the big Kennedy, he died when the BQ-8 aircraft that he was piloting accidentally exploded over East Suffolk in England. Well, and this and and this is something that you should keep in mind as Maddie kind of goes through these um, uh, these instances is that a lot of them, if not, I haven't looked through all of this, if not all of them involve some sort of transportation. Exactly. Right. Right. And then also in 1944, William Cavendish, the Marquess of Hartington, newlywed husband of Kathleen Kennedy, was fatally shot by a German sniper while leading his company, also in World War II. 1948, four years later, Kathleen Kick Kennedy, formerly known as Kathleen Cavendish, the Marchioness of, of, uh, of Hartington, we just mentioned her husband earlier, died in a plane crash in France. In 1963, Patrick Bouvier Kennedy died of infant respiratory distress syndrome two days after his premature birth on August 7th. Now, here's the thing. Patrick was born at Otis Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. right? Kind of crazy. Now, 1963, we know what happens here in November, November 22nd, U.S. President John F. Kennedy assassinated in Dallas, Texas by Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald was shot dead by Jack Ruby two days later. And in 1964, the Warren Commission concluded that Oswald uh, was the lone assassin. However, in 1979... Well, we should also say that he was in a 
car. car. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, in 1979, the U.S. House Select Committee on Assassinations, yes, it does exist, concluded that the assassination was the result of a conspiracy and that Oswald did not act alone. Now, in 1968, U.S. Senator Robert F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, was shot by Sirhan Sirhan in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles on the night of his victory in the California Democratic presidential primary. He died the next day. It's, it's one of the only ones where somebody wasn't really traveling. He was just in front yeah, of the crowd. Yeah. Uh, 1984, David A. Kennedy died of a drug overdose in Palm Beach, Florida. Um, following a car accident, uh, David began to abuse painkillers and was in and out of detox facilities throughout his entire youth. And on the day of his death, David was in Palm Beach to see his grandmother, who had just had a stroke. So once again, somebody traveling, and it's the root of a car accident uh, that that brought him to that point in the in the first place. In '97, Michael Lemoyne Kennedy died in a skiing accident after crashing into a tree in Aspen. God, I remember that. That was such a weird story. And it, it, it's so strange. Uh. Um, how often people died of skiing accidents in the 90s. It's, Girl, that's why, I'll tell you what, I never want to go skiing. I'm not getting up on that shit. Now, in 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr., little sweet love, John John, he died when the plane that he was piloting crashed into the Atlantic Ocean just off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. So I remember, sad. So, I remember so sad. when people were fucking obsessed with oh, John yeah. F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, yeah. Not only just in his death, but when he was alive, I just remember he was on the fucking cover of People magazine. I mean, every he was, week like, he was he was America's prince. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the, we we don't have royalty; we just we have this. And he was he was the absolute prince of America. Um, also, I really loved George Magazine. Remember George Magazine? That was his. I don't. It was I really don't. good. George Magazine was like it was sort of like a Vogue, but for politics. It was oh, gross. It, I, oh my god, I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and I was like, a, I was such a fucking nerd. Of course, I loved it. Um, but that, of course, stopped after his death. Uh, Twenty eleven, Kara Kennedy died of a heart attack while exercising. So kind of locomotive uh, in a Washington D.C. health club. Kara suffered from lung cancer nine years earlier, but she had recovered after the removal of part of her lung. 2012, Mary Richardson Kennedy dies by suicide on the grounds of her home in Bedford, Westchester County in New York. I do remember that. And then in 2019, Saoirse Ronan Kennedy Hill, granddaughter of Robert F. Kennedy, died of an accidental drug overdose at the Kennedy compound in Hyannisport in Cape Cod. Finally, in 2020, Maeve Kennedy McKean disappeared with her eight-year-old son Gideon during a short canoe trip there's travel again in the Chesapeake Bay. Maeve's body was found by divers four year, four days. I almost said four years. Four days <laughs> later. Mistake, yep, exactly. <laughs> um, Gideon's body was found two days after hers. God, how sad. On April 8th, authorities believe that Maeve paddled to retrieve her son's ball, leading the wind and current to overturn the canoe. And folks, all of that came from the delightful folks at Wikipedia, whoever they are. Um, so a very long string of crazy shit happening in that family. Um, and, well, and you know, also thinking about it, we don't ever like, I know this sounds kind of asinine, but like when we think about tragedy and when we think about um, these kind of like crazy curses, we never associate it with the wealthy. The wealthy have everything. They don't, they don't, sure. they don't have tragedy. Like what's, yeah. what's going on there. So this is a very interesting um, uh, turn of events for, 
literally, like you said, kind of the royalty of America, which yeah. is interesting. And, and you know, I th- I think um, what's what's interesting about about a curse like this one, right, is that it's generational and it's in a family, and like that's the way that I think about curses generally. Sure. Um, because Paying like, it, yeah, it, like something's happened and it's not just one person getting cursed. It's a whole line of, it's a whole bloodline. It's a lineage. Broken. Right. I mean, like, for example, there is the story of a curse in my family and, uh, you know, my family is Croatian and Italian, you know, for the most part on my dad's side. So, you know, there's some old country kind of shit. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. the story in our family is that my uncle John, um, who uh, I, I never met. Uh, he he was in Chicago and and uh, in, in, in Gary, Indiana, where my family sort of came up. Um, and he eventually moved to Las Vegas uh, because he was involved with the mafia. And there were times when Uncle John was he kept asking my grandpa for money, from what I understand. And eventually, my grandma, who's kind of a hard-headed woman, I never met her, but that, that's what I hear. He kept asking my grandpa for money, and my grandpa was a really nice guy. He was a very, very nice person, and he would always give in. And one day, my grandma was like, actually, no, you're fucking done. Get out of here, you loser. Um, because he had all these gambling debts. Mm-hmm. And the story is that when that happened in, in the house in Gary, that my uncle put a curse on the family and walked out the door. Now, look, not a, I mean, it's it's not been like a ton of great shit that's happened to my family. I mean, like we're kind of just like a normal American family where you know you don't have a lot of money and things just sort of happen to you. Well, and um, there's a lot of you too, so. and there's a lot of us too. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, nothing crazy, crazy has really happened. I mean, like you know, my dad died prematurely in a car crash, and there's been some other stuff like that. But like, can I can I attribute it to a curse? Eh, I don't think so. I think I used to believe in it, to be honest. Because it, it was a way of describing like when I was frustrated with life. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure, I was like, sure, I was like sure. oh, the curse again. Here we go. Every, nothing good ever happens to me. That kind of thing. But then like when you get out of that mindset and you, and you, like, you, you just finally go like, actually, um, that's bullshit. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and also plenty of good stuff happens to me. That kind of thing. Right. So it's interesting. Um, that, that's our little family curse story. But uh, yeah, it's, I like to think about curses with families. Cause I just think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I think it's uh, something to keep in mind uh, when you're thinking about these things. Um, what is kind of uh, the self-fulfilling prophecy that you are doing to yourself by believing in these things? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, if I was a Kennedy, I probably would never get in a plane. Like, but yeah. then I would never go anywhere. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, it's, uh, it, it makes total sense. If if you, <laughs> it's like it's like anything else. If you believe in something enough, then it will be real for mm-hmm. you. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you'll attribute everything to it. Of course. Um, so the one last one that I wanted to talk about, because this kind of echoes back to our childhood. Uh-huh. Um, and um, do you remember? Back in the day when we first got email, um, do we, I ever? <laughs> we would get these emails that would basically be like, mm. if you don't send this email to twenty five more people, yeah. then you will be cursed and you will not have money and blah 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 blah. Yeah, it was so it that, was it, it was the herpes of email. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? We we all did it. Oh, we all everyone did it. Everyone did it. <laughs> so this is kind of the modern day version of that. And I'm sure all of our listeners have heard of this. I'm Maddie. I'm sure you've heard of this. Um, but there, in the recent years, there's been the Momo challenge. Oh, God almighty. 
So this is uh, very in line with kind of the modern day creepy pasta, slender man type of thing. Uh, but Momo um, is actually, uh, you've seen the image. It's of a, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll post it online at some point during the week when we release this episode. But um, it's uh, an image of a, a girl, a bug eyed girl with matted hair and wraith like limbs that's associated with Momo. Um, actually, it's a sculpture made by a, uh, a, a person in Japan um, who makes film props and special effects. The sculpture was actually displayed at a show in um, at the Gen and uh, gallery, a gallery in Tokyo, uh, way back in August of 2016. But someone took a, a picture of it, and it then it kind of became what the Momo challenge would become because it kind of gets. It's the modern day satanic panic. Um, so <sighs> the Momo challenge didn't really pick up steam in the English speaking world until YouTuber Rainbot uh, made a video devoted to unpacking the phenomenon in 2018. Um, that that being said, it had already spread through Asia at this point. Um, according to the video, those who texted Momo's number were told to complete a series of bizarre and increasingly dangerous tasks, starting with something innocent like watching a horror movie late at night and ending with a call for kids to do self-harm or to take their own lives failure to complete the tasks apparently would result in personal information being leaked or threats of violence so at the very top of this you think oh well it's just kids spreading like a rumor it's just innocent like whatever it's not a big deal but this got huge and it reached around the entire world i'll give you i'm a sorry couple... andrew andrew could you not say reach around right now do you mind <laughs> um i'll give you a couple of areas where this really just went crazy so police authorities in the philippines issued warnings to parents to be vigilant of their children's online activity after 11 year old died 11 year old boy died of apparent suicide and drug overdose on january 11th of 2019 linking the incident to the viral challenge uh, in France, a group of State Department was reviewing the situation in late July of 2018 when a complaint was filed in November by a father whose son committed suicide attributed to the uh, the, the online activity. In Germany, the police were only aware of mentions of chain letters. Uh, we all remember those. Um, They're asking the population to act prudently when faced with that kind of cell phone contact. In Luxembourg, police confirmed one case on its territory. Um, in the Belgian police prosecutor's offices reported in 2018 that 13-year-old boy had been a victim of the Momo Challenge and hanged himself. Um, Spain's national police warned people to stay away from the new challenge and applications that pop up and the WhatsApp uh, application indicating that Momo's phenomenon was vogue and among teenagers. I can't believe they would even write it that way. Um, Awareness grew in February of 2019 as the public, the police service of Northern Ireland, there you go, Maddie, posted a public warning on Facebook and American media personality Kim Kardashian wow. posted on her Instagram story pleading for YouTube to remove the alleged Momo videos. Uh, the Momo character has also appeared in the video game Minecraft in the form of an in-game skin. So that's uh, basically taking your... Uh, character and kind of giving it a makeover. Um, and a police officer in Ohio was concerned to see the Momo in his son. See the Momo. <laughs> the, Momo the Momo. The <laughs> Momo. 
to see Momo and his son's copy of the game worried about the possibility that the mod could lead to participation in the Momo challenge after news reports started to outline the link between the Minecraft mod and the Momo challenge Microsoft announced that it was taking measures to restrict access to the mod um, web security how so that all being said I mean that this is a crazy worldwide phenomenon that comes out of a a Candyman, a Bloody Mary type of yeah. situation, which is just insane to me that it could spread so wide in an age where it's so easy to debunk. Do you know what I mean? I know. I I, I do know. It's um, I I don't know the psychology of of why people fall into these things. I, I just, just why it's, 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 it's fascinating that there, there must be studies done on it. Surely there are. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they, they kind of put this towards a, um, a moral panic or a sensationalized yeah. hoax fueled by unverified media reports. So just, it's, it's, it's that satanic panic. We we've been living with this kind of hysteria yeah. our entire lives, but we don't know why yeah. or why people believe it or why they think that if they don't do something with it, that something bad will happen to them. But I can remember from a very young age yeah. being terrified to say bloody Mary in front of a mirror. Yeah. You know, being afraid to say Candyman in front of a mirror. And now I've said it twice and I can't say it. Any more times. You, girl, you better stop it. Motherfucker. We, we, yeah, we, we got We got to release this episode, not just record it. But it's um, just such a phenomenon that is, is, is crazy to me that we, we put so much power into yeah. um, happenstance really when you think about it. I, I, I think that they're just a little, uh, just, you know, here's, here comes Dr. Maddie psychologist. Um, I wonder if, Matthew Zaradich um, is not a verified psychologist. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, I wonder if part of it sort of relies on the 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 part of us as humans that 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 does actually believe that we are worthy of punishment, mm. and that and that punishment is always around the corner for us because we've done something wrong, or because we feel great guilt, or because we feel great shame. Um, and I, I think you know, I, I can't speak for for all cultures here, but I think in America that's something that that is pretty pervasive. People tend to have a lot of shameful things that they perceive as shameful in their lives, and so I I, I would whether that's you know sex or whether that's this or whether that's drugs or alcohol you know you name it weight whatever. Um, there's something there that Americans just really deep down believe they deserve punishment for. They won't tell you that, but I I I, re- I kind of genuinely believe it. Yeah, and I I wonder if the uh, the propensity to believe in a curse or in something sort of just like coming for you all it's it's sort of like you know it's it's like it's like it follows that we'll talk about later this like inevitable thing that's going to follow you everywhere and you're just you're just you're sort of subconsciously doing whatever you can to get away from it. Yeah, and I also think that a lot of it is trying to put the blame on something else other than yourself. And and Um, that, and that, yeah. uh, Believing that there is some sort of force out there that is punishing you for something. Not that you did. I didn't do it. I'm just being punished. Yeah, right, right, right. Sure. Um, I do think that there's a narcissistic um, thing in there, especially in America, that would kind of attribute to why we believe in curses and that it's not something we did. It's just something I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, well. Andrew, what, a, what an <laughs> exhilarating talk about curses. Um, shall we conclude, do you think? Yeah, I think we should take a break and come back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And welcome back to everyone's favorite segment of the show. You know, I don't know if that's true anymore. You know, it's it's a great segment. How about that? It's, it's one of it's one of our favorite segments to do. You tell us. <laughs> yeah. So it's called "What You Been Watching, Bitch." What you been watching, you cursed little bitch? There you go. That, that's right. That's how we do it. Now, uh, if you're new to the show, this is the segment where we just talk about what we have been watching. And so we each have four selections. We have one in common this week. We'll talk about that at the end. Andrew, give us your first what you been watching, bitch. The first one that I'm going to talk about, it brought to you by Netflix. Uh, this is called The Bubble. Um, this is a Judd Apatow movie uh, that was released just a couple weeks ago at this point. And um, it's it's actually really funny. It's about a continuing action series that is trying to make its sixth um movie in it and it's run um i forget the actual name of the movie but it's mm-hmm. like this ridiculous like birds of prey six the crowing or something you know what I mean? that's something uh, ridiculous yeah and it's all about them trying to make this in the uh height of the pandemic so it's a, a lot of jokes about having to quarantine a lot of jokes about having to get tested a lot of jokes huh. about like just the ridiculous things that the that the movie um kind of industry had to do during this time to make anything for yeah. us to to kind of consume as, as a populace um it's an interesting look at it uh there are some very very funny moments and in true judd apatow uh uh kind of filmmaking it goes crazy towards the end and over sure. the top and it's got a lot of the, his same players in it um but uh overall i i enjoyed this movie it was a little bit triggering i won't lie about having to go back to that time where we were all sitting in our houses and we we couldn't go anywhere and we couldn't do anything awful 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 awful. um so if that's not something that you're uh into kind of revisiting i would recommend staying away from this movie right now maybe you can revisit it in a year when we are a little more comfortable with that that time in our lives but um it was overall really funny i think it was a little long if i'm being honest and kind of meandered a little bit uh, but overall, still had a really good time with it. So that's the bubble on Netflix. Oh boy! And Judd Apatow put his his foot in his mouth during the whole Will Smith thing. Remember that that tweet that he had out? I don't. I didn't hear anything about this. I can't remember what it said, but then it, then it, it got deleted. But he like people really laid into him for it. I, I'll, I'll dig it up later. Anyways, um, my first one is oh, what will I start with? I'll start with uh, this one from Netflix. Um, Trust no one. The hunt for the crypto king. Um, this is uh, the story of this um, this crypto company in um, in Canada, and it was like a crypto trading company, basically. So think of like like um, I'm trying to think of one of the names right now. Oh, I can't think of them. Um, Coinbase Bitcoin. would be one of them. Like you know, it's it's a place where you go and and you can buy. You can actually buy um, different different types of cryptocurrency, so you you can exchange money in, uh, 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 back and forth from from dollars Ugh. to this to that or whatever. This 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 whole this whole thing. I, before you kind of get into this, uh, she has things to say. Crypto is made up. 
So <laughs> you're only giving it power by yeah. buying into it. So I mean, just... the, the, only, the only thing I'll counter you with, you with here is that money is also made up too, to be honest. Like, yeah, I mean, every, every, everything is made up. All currencies are. It's just that like the, 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 if you're going to get into it, there are dangers because it's unregulated. Be and careful. Like, and it, you, I mean, you have to be careful. And like, this is a story about people who weren't careful. And so there is, I forget the guy's name now, David something. There was this like guy in Canada who everyone just thought was like the nicest little nerd guy. And um, he started this fucking website where you could go and trade in Bitcoin or Ethereum or, you know, whatever they, the various other ones are. So um, it, it's, it was useful for a lot of people that the documentary takes you through some different cases of people that used it for different reasons. Like there was one guy who, who was moving to Canada and he was like, um, he, he was a software developer and he was just like taking a lot of time off. And he he discovered this website and he was like, huh, you know, if I do this, it's actually going to be a lot cheaper for me to move all of my money from America to Canada um, instead of like having to do like, you know, go through the more regulated ways where he would have lost a lot in taxes. He would have lost like 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 50,000 bucks, something like that. So he put all of his money into this thing. And then one day um, when people were trying to take their money out, all of a sudden the website just stopped fucking working and no one knew what was going on millions and millions and millions of dollars are in this fucking oh, like God. like little website thing and then the dude the dude that owns it like suddenly dies in india like dies from complications of crohn's disease which is not something that you would commonly die from right so the the, the story just gets thicker and thicker and thicker and crazier and crazier the deeper that you go into this it's wild. I'm, I'm not going to give you uh, the, the the big spoilers because I, I think it's actually really worth watching, especially in the age of crypto where like, mm -hmm. you know, look, not many of us really know the ins and outs of it. This movie actually did help me understand it a little bit better. So that that's that's sort of like an like an extra benefit of of the movie. Um, but yeah, it's called Trust No One, The Hunt for the Crypto King. It's on Netflix. I recommend it. It was really good. Hmm. All right. Um, my next one is on Hulu. It is called Life and Beth, which I thought of our, our friend Beth. Beth oh, Beth. Betharina. Um, but uh, Life and Beth is Amy Schumer's new show on, on Hulu. And um, it, it's kind of a loose interpretation of how she met her husband. Um, if you don't know, her husband is a very famous chef. Um, he's also autistic. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't and, know that, actually. And um, this is kind of how they met, but wrapped in a... Uh, a story you know what I mean yeah, like sure, sure, sure. Yeah. a lot of it's made up but some of it is true to life um, this is the best thing Amy Schumer's ever done in my personal opinion wow. um, she I think that Amy Schumer is actually a very intelligent um, actress I think that she was kind of put into a uh, bucket of like did you did you watch the humans yet I'm going to. I'm going you to. Better, uh, trust me, she's genius in The Humans. She's I just fantastic. I just think that she's a lot better of an actress than anyone ever gave her credit for and anyone gave her the space to be at a certain point in her career. Well, I, I, you know what happens when you, when you finally take people seriously? Maybe you see who they really are right. instead of just laughing at them all the time. Right. And so Life and Beth is all about um, a woman who is a wine salesperson in New York City. And she kind of gets to a point in her life where she doesn't 
something tragic happens. I don't want to spoil it because it, it, it is a big part of the show, but something happens in her life that makes her reevaluate really everything around her and every part of her life and forces her to kind of make some decisions and make some changes that is really going to be beneficial for her finally in her life. She's not living for anybody else anymore. She's living for herself. And I can tell you, Oh gosh, sorry. I'm starting a little uh, choked up. Um, There's some stuff in this that really resonated with my life that really made me take a look at how I've reacted to certain things in my life. Um, especially with parental figures and Mm. it just, it took me away. It was so good. You got to watch life and Beth. I hope Maddie, it gets to another streaming service so you can watch it because it's, it's pretty awesome. Awesome. Cool. Life and Beth on Hulu. Um, my next one is, uh, so before I talk about this one, um, I, I, my Disney plus subscription, I had been using my nephews for a long time. He just like gave me the password like sure, when, he, sure. when he first did it. And I, I didn't know this, but I realized that he, cause he has kids that he had like, like the, the filters Parental. turned yeah. on, you know? So what I didn't know is that I was missing out on like, I don't know, fucking like 60% of what's on Disney plus. <laughs> So I finally You're like, no, I don't want to watch Mighty Ducks right now. I know. Right, right, right. So I finally said, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna subscribe to it. Because I, I also really wanted to watch that Beatles documentary, which I was not able to unless you had the, the filters off. So I finally last week got my full subscription to Disney Plus. I had no idea how much shit was on there. I truly oh my God, it, did it's, not. It's insane how much and Disney I, owns. Yeah, and I and I didn't know the the wide span of horror films that are on there too. There, there's a lot on Disney Plus. Anyways, you probably already know that because you've probably had it for the whole time <laughs> as an adult. Anyways, I was bored and I was looking through the thrillers section. They don't call it horror, and um, I said Cold Creek Manor. Let's watch it. Cold Creek Manor um, stars this Dennis Quaid. sounds familiar. Well, y- you'll you'll remember it. Dennis Quaid, Sharon Stone, Stephen oh Dorff, Kristen Stewart, Juliette Lewis, Christopher Plummer. I mean, it's it's an all star cast, right? Wow. Um, it is. It's the story of. Uh, it's from what year was this? From two thousand three. Um, it's long. It's almost two hours. I'll tell you that. Um, it's the story of this family in New York, New York City. Um, some stuff happens and the parents are like, we got to get out of the city. Let's go find a country house. So they do in like upstate New York. And it's sort of, a lot of it's weird. It's like upstate New York, but like it may as well be in like Kentucky. It's really sure. odd. Sure. And they don't do that. So right. Not like Buffalo, but like somewhere like towards Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's thing. like it's like Hicksville. Um, and I don't mean the actual city Hicksville. Um, so like they move, they find this, uh, this fucking awesome house and they get it on a short sale because the guy was in jail, um, and didn't pay his mortgage. There you go. So they buy it and it is a really cool house. They start refurbishing it, blah, 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 blah. Then one day this guy turns up in the house and guess who it is? It's the guy that was in jail. It was Steven Dorff and Steven Dorff looking fine as fuck. Might I add, <laughs> this was definitely peak Steven Dorff time, 2003, um, and that's basically it. You know, shit goes haywire. I think you can probably guess the rest of it. Um, you know, I guess for a film from 2003, it was probably very thrilling back then. I mean, the cast is pretty awesome. Um, Dennis Quaid, Sharon Stone, Christopher Plummer, for God's sake. Um, you know, in the end, is it is it a great film? Not 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 especially. Um, 
but I guess it was fun to kind of watch and have on in the background while like I like did some, you know, some light work. Um, so yeah, kind of giving me, it's kind of giving me like what lies beneath feels like that kind of, a uh, kind of, yeah. Well, I mean like that kind of a, how it's made, I guess like that era. Basically. Yeah. It, it, it would feel like that. It has that texture. Um, so yeah, you know, Cold Creek Manor, look, I neither recommend it nor do I disrecommend it. It's on Disney (laughs) plus if you want to watch it. There you go. All right. Well, I have actually have a recommend. Um, this is something that I think came out a couple, I, I, I think it came out a couple years ago. I'm not entirely sure. I just stumbled upon it. Um, but this is on Amazon prime. It is called everybody's talking about Jamie. This is a film adaptation of a play. Uh, this is all about Jamie who lives in Sheffield, England, and he wants to be a drag queen. And he's in high school. Oh, I've heard about this. I've heard this is really, really lovely. And it's all about him trying to discover who he is through his drag persona and kind of coming up through the he's still in high school. So obviously having to deal with bullies and having to deal with a absent father and like all of that. Um, I will say um, there's some mixed messages for me in this musical of um stand out but don't stand out too much um huh. <laughs> if that makes any sense it, yeah, it's very sure. I, I i will say it's very british it's it's kind of like make sure you stand out but not at the expense of other people ah. <laughs> you know um so overall the the music's fantastic the mu- the music's great um the the movie is is very good it's just there were a couple of things especially with the father storyline that didn't really give me any resolution where i was really hoping for resolution <clears throat> um but overall i would really highly recommend everybody's talking about jamie on amazon prime my third one is jimmy saville a british horror story you can watch this on netflix um this is the story of Jimmy Savile, who was um, sort of a British icon in the 70s, the 60s and 70s, um, and 80s for that matter. Um, he was sort of just all over the fucking place. Like, he knew everybody. He had a TV show called um, J- J- Jim Will Fix It. And it was a TV show where kids would write in um, and like ask him to fix something. And it's kind of cute, actually. Yeah, yeah. So here's the dark side. Um, he was actually like a fucking child rapist the entire oh, time. Why did you have to do this to me? I oh, just said it was cute. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, it's 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 a really awful story. Um, and if if you don't know about the story of Jimmy Savile, like it's it's you know, it's it's fascinating in that really awful way. You know, oh, no. Um, and so I didn't this, know anything about this. Just to yeah, know our listeners, yeah. I did. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this this documentary just kind of shows a bit of of uh, just like kind of how he was able to do this stuff, and and how he was kind of not really empowered to do it, but because of the people that he kept around him. I mean, like Margaret Thatcher was like one of his best friends, for God's sake. Like he he knew all the royals. He knew every famous person in England and around the world, for that matter. I mean, like he was like everyone knew him and, and he was a sort of like a hard rocking dude who like smoked cigars all the time and like drank a lot. But like that was like his hard side. The soft side was him, you know, being nice to kids. What he would do also is raise money for like these like different children's hospitals or care centers. And so he would like raise like seriously insane amounts of money in England and everyone really respected him for that. He was doing it so that he would have access to the kids inside. 
It's oh, awful. God. So look, this is this is a it's it's an awful story. Um, I think it's worth watching because I think it's a it's an episode of 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 recent history that is really truly terrifying, truly horrible. Um, and uh, there it is. So Jimmy Savile, a British horror story on Netflix. Oh, that sounds like a rough one. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so the one that we have in common, actually, which I had no idea was even coming to our platforms, and then all yeah. of a sudden it was there, um, is uh, the recent, literally came out like a month ago or so, uh, Death on the Nile. Uh, yeah. So and this is for the, this for this uh, for you. It's on Hulu. For me, it's on Disney Plus, which is kind I of actually happening. think it's on both. But yeah. oh, okay, but that, that's that's kind of happening with stuff I've noticed now that I have Disney Plus. The Hulu stuff goes there. For me, it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah. They definitely have a partnership in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure like what it looks like, but there so, is a lot of Death stuff on the Nile. Um, I liked it. I thought it was good. Like I, I will tell you, um, I went in with Murder on the Orient Express on my on my shoulder yep, as sure. like kind of the chip on my shoulder because I really thought that that was a really bad movie, if I'm being honest. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised. Me, uh, me too. I I, I, I didn't I didn't see Murder on the Orient Express. Don't um, and yeah I, I I didn't really want to. That that's just the thing. Um, I watched it because I just had nothing else to watch on a Sunday and I turned it on and and got into it. And you know I didn't know the story at all. Um, Me neither. So, I was not so, familiar with the Agatha Christie like right. uh, origin. Uh, I know I know a bit of Agatha Christie, but I never really got into Poirot. I only is, know, and um, then there were none. That's yeah. like the the one that I'm but, an expert on. Like, I mean, look, it's a murder mystery. That's not a surprise to anybody. I didn't know who the killer was the whole time. And I think that that's kind of cool. For once, I was like actually watching a movie and like really guessing like, huh, who did do this? You know, I had my I had I my sus- I had my suspicions. I didn't put it together until there's a scene where um there's an interview being taken place and someone gets shot during the interview. Yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of when I, I, it clicked in my brain, like sure. probably what was going on. Um, it's interesting with this movie because a majority of the cast at this point um, is kind of in the Hollywood gutter um, with Gal Gadot and her kind of handling of the pandemic of how she released that weird video early in the pandemic about um look at all the people um yeah. and then um army hammer and him being a cannibal i guess I yeah. but, there's but, just a, but there's also people who are not i mean oh of course i mean it's a and, huge cast yeah, yeah. Kenneth, kenneth branagh just won the oscar for belfast and annette benning thank god has done nothing wrong because she can do nothing wrong she's an amazing queen um yeah it's you know look there's plenty about it that was definitely cheesy and kind of stupid um, and you know, somebody, I did see somebody remark on Twitter about like, there was a lot of CGI, like a lot of like green screen stuff. Yeah. But and that's like the, that's the, I don't know. That's like the, the style feel that's the style. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. I don't know. Like, so I mean, and like, I, had no, like, I had no qualms about it with that. To be I honest. mean, like fine. Like if, if you want to like give it a knock on for that, fine, whatever. But uh, other than that, I thought it was really great. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's like a fantastic movie, but I did think it was like a fun, like you said, like turn it on on a Sunday yeah. and like watch it and try to guess who the murderer is and follow. Um, Very like, I don't know, for me, I got very like Knives Out kind of vibes. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it was just like a fun ensemble cast doing what they do and being great 
and for the most part and looking really good because everyone in the fucking cast yeah. looks amazing. And look, <laughs> like, look, Army Hammer may be a cannibal, but motherfuckers still look good. I'll tell you that much right now. He is. I might, he I might let him have a nipple. <laughs> if he wants to chomp on like a finger of mine or whatever, baby, put some sauce on it. I don't give a fuck. Have you watched? Have you watched Fresh yet? No, I have not. Um, that's another circumstance where you're like, well, Sebastian Stan, I know that you're, yeah. uh, maybe, right. I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, folks, that's another edition of what you've been watching, bitch. <laughs> Andrew brought us the bubble on Netflix, life and Beth on Hulu. And everybody's talking about Jamie on Amazon. And of course we both had death on the Nile. And Maddie brought us Just No One, The Hunt for the Crypto King on Netflix, Cold Creek Manor on Disney Plus, and Jimmy Seville, a British horror story on Netflix. So go refresh your little bubbly unless you're driving, then you shouldn't do that. Um, you should just keep your eyes on the road and keep listening to my voice. Just keep listening to my voice as you drive. That's right. Keep going. That's right. There you go. And we'll be right back with our first film of the episode, The Grudge. Your first visit alone. Just make sure she has what she needs and help out around the house. It is said in Japan that when a person dies in extreme sorrow or rage, death becomes a part of that place, killing everything. So have you. Em and I were alone in that room. I think there was something else there with us. Hope you're not holding any grudges about our opinions about the grudge. Well, we'll find out anyways. Andrew, tell us all about the grudge. It never forgives. It never forgets. An American nurse living and working in Tokyo is exposed to a mysterious supernatural curse, one that locks a person in a powerful rage before claiming their life and spreading to another victim. This is directed by Takashi Suzumi. Whoa. Shimizu. Shimizu. Thank you. Written by Steven Susco and the director. (laughs) Production company was Columbia Pictures. Distribution was handled by Sony Pictures and Entertainment. Karen is played by friend and lovely person all of all time. Yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, Doug is played by the handsome Jason Bear. Oh, Matthew. Oh, so good looking in this movie. Yeah, oh, my God. I know. Matthew is played by William Mapather. Jennifer is played by Clea Duvall. Also another wonderful person. Love in, of the podcast. Clea Duvall. Susan is played by Katie Strickland. Emma is played by Grace Zabriskie. Peter is played by Bill Pullman, which I forgot was in this movie. Yeah, right. uh, Toshio is played by Yuya Ozeki. And Kayoko is played by Takako Fuji. And this is rated, oh, this is rated PG-13. It is was. that right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Huh. That is we'll correct. talk about that. Yeah. Um, it comes in at a perfect 91 minutes. It was made in the United States and Japan. Um, it was released on October 12th of 2004, the year after I graduated high school. Um, locations were in Tokyo, Japan. 
and the budget was $10 million and it grossed a, wait, a whoa, $187 million. Absolutely fucking huge. Huge movie. Um, so the grudge, uh, this comes out in the wake of kind of the, uh, trend in America where we were remaking, um, both Japanese and, uh, Korean horror films. Um, this is kind of at the same time as the ring as, uh, uh, in dark water those kind of movies yeah um and it hit america like a sack of bricks and i remember it um i want to start with how the movie opens and then i will pass it to you maddie for your opinion when someone dies in the grip of a powerful rage a curse is born the curse gathers in that place of death and those who encounter it will be consumed by its fury maddie when did you see the grudge and how are your feelings about it? Uh, I would have seen it back in 2004. Um, and that was, well, that was October. So I would have been, I was out of college then. I would have been living back home. So yeah, I would, I would have gone to the theater to see it. I was trying to place in my mind like where I would have actually watched it. Oh yeah, this was definitely go to the movies for Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah cause it was in October too. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a scary movie. Like, I mean, like it is a movie that's actually fucking pretty goddamn scary um and it's it's scary because it has all those little little pieces that really stick with you right it's like the ring is really scary because of the girl you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and the way that she does things and the way that she comes out of the tv and the way that she looks and the scary looks at things and blah 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 blah. it's kind of the same thing with this right like kayako is scary because Kayako is fucking scary. Like, there's yeah. a reason why. Or Kayako, the way she it's, moves, it's the way yeah. that yeah. the way she moves, the sounds that she makes. Right? Toshio is scary because when you first hear him utter a word, he just goes Toshio, and so like, <laughs> he's got this. You know, once again, it's 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 sensory, right? Which I mean, I get it. All movies are sensory. You have to watch a thing. You have to listen to a thing. Um, but there are different reasons why things are scary for us. This film just happens to really master. Um, to really master like the the essence of that and and to give you things that linger with you so that when you do walk out of the theater you're waiting to hear that sound somewhere or the next time that you hear any sort of like crackly voice you're thinking about this right that, that, or that, a cat or, or a cat or this <laughs> or that those things just stick with you and the grudge is one of the most you know, masterful films that, that was able to do it. You know, I, I think too, that, you know, what's different about, you know, some other remakes, like I, you know, the, the ring remake is, is a, is a good remake. I, I will stand by that. If you want to hear our thoughts on the ring, go back to cursed objects. Yep, That's exactly. the movie where we talked about it. <laughs> it's funny how those connect right now. Right. Um, but like, I think that the grudge is also something really, really good. Now, why is that? Well, number one, because Takashi Shimizu was a part of it from the very beginning. Yeah. And, that's what I really appreciate is yeah. that they gave him a chance to remake his own movie. And, and that's just the thing is that he appreciated it too. You know, if you look into just like some, some of the history of the film, he was really excited about this because it was a chance to get big Hollywood money behind it. And for him to like, sort of, um, like, like correct what he had done. Right. Refine. Yeah. Refine, refine. his he, he, material. He, yeah. He liked what he had done with, um, was it Juan? Is that, is that, is that it? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. With Juan. But this gave him a chance to sort of just like make it even better. And so I think it's awesome. Um, I will say that I had never seen the sequels and I still haven't seen part three, but on, on stars play, they had grudge one and two. And I thought, you know what, why not just watch both in one night? Um, grudge two. I, look, I know we're not talking about it, but grudge two, I'm less of a fan of, 
um because it just gets a little there, there's that, a lot there's a lot going on it's it's with her sister right her sister yeah her sister's okay. there and, and sarah michelle geller is in it for the first part of the movie and then she dies pretty pretty quickly <laughs> um but uh yeah the grudge i i think it's wonderful yeah, um, I will say this um, kind of in the in the same time period as The Ring was one of those movies that everyone was fucking talking about yeah. when it came out. Everyone was freaked out when this movie came out. I mean, it, it's maybe gotten watered down in the uh, in the years that it's been out, but I remember when this movie came out, people were freaking out about yeah. this movie, and and for a good for a good reason because there are scares in this movie that. So uh, keep in mind, I have not watched this movie probably in 10, at time. least 10 years. Sure. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I had it on DVD. I didn't even remember that I had it on DVD. Sure. That's how yeah. long it's been since I watched it. Um, and it there were still scares. That initial scare um, with the the uh, initial nurse when she goes up into the attic and, yeah. uh, and she shows her face, that fucking scared the shit out of me. Yeah, because I did not terrifying, remember. Man. Um, I think that uh, Yoko um, is the name of the girl in the, yeah. in the beginning. I I don't know why, but in this movie specifically, I was looking at all these characters and I'm like, stop being curious, stop being curious, because that is what is getting everyone killed. Yeah. Um, but I am um, I really appreciate um how this story is told, how it's kind of broken up into almost like vignettes of a story that you kind of have to piece together for yourself because it's it's taken out of time. Like there's certain times where you're in the past and then the future, and then kind of when you're with Sarah Michelle Geller's character, you're kind of in the present. Sure. Um I, I really appreciated that because it, it and this is what I think that this movie does really well is that it fucking is on 10 the entire movie. Yeah. It never lets up. Like it is always scary. There's always something happening. Um, and I just, I was kind of taken aback and I was taken back to a time where I, I, and movies were just scary again. And it was just, it was so good. And I really liked it. Um, obviously I'm going to be a little bit, uh, you know, pull my, you know, I don't know, like, I'm any movie with Sarah Michelle Geller and I'm probably going to give like a point up just for her being. In it. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, but, uh, I forgot that Jason bear from one of my favorite shows of all time. Roswell. Okay. Was in this. Also, I'm going to stop you there. So, um, Jason bear is the boyfriend. Um, I want to talk about a moment <laughs> where the, he, he gets out of bed cause he has to go to school and Sarah Michelle's like, oh, actually, look at your watch. I set the clock ahead an hour so that you would get up on time. I would cute? be so mad. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Um, like once again, I can fight my own battles. Thank you. Um, but then he comes over to the bed, right? He lays down in bed with his back to the camera. Got it? Now, what I want to talk about here is the brilliance of that because it allowed you to really see his butt. In in the silky shorts. And I got to tell you, like, I, Andrew, I was on the couch. I was going wild in my brain because I was like, this is exactly the kind of early 2000s bro that I am in absolute love with. I'm not always proud of it, but it's you, you know how I am. Well, we'll talk that about was, that. We'll talk about that in fo- it follows oh, because uh, my god. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, listen, I got it there too, baby. It was pinnacle butt action in silky shorts. It's one of my favorite things in the world to really see. 
Well, um, and honestly, so Jason you. Bear is just so fucking attractive. Oh, yeah. So thank you, Takashi Shimizu, for giving us the gift of that. I appreciate it. And the gift of him and Sarah Michelle Gellar together. Yeah. Right. Um, what I will say about this movie, I forgot Bill Pullman was in it. Like I said. I totally um, forgot about that. When, completely. When, when he showed up at the very beginning, I was like, oh, shit. I totally forgot he was in this. Um, I think Yoko is a dumb bitch. I shouldn't have been so curious. Um, well, you know, a little bit about that too, right? The, the 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 one thing that I will say the movie suffers from is a bit of like, uh, how can I phrase this? And and this is this is it's not this isn't the only film in the horror that genre people don't that act like it. this. <laughs> well, a little bit of that, but I think more like um, uh, as an example, right? The uh, the detective, Detective Nakagawa, when he's watching the security footage, right? Clearly, <laughs> there is something incredibly supernatural happening. He doesn't tell anybody, and no, and they all act like it's like like it's not happening. Do you know what I mean? Or it's like, oh, well, that's interesting. I guess I'll think about that for a while. Like, no, I you literally just, have it. You just saw a fucking ghost, and so that that's like the syndrome that I'm talking about. I don't really know what to call it. But it ha- it happens in horror movies from time to time where it's like I literally have in my notes turn that tape off now and yeah. submit it to Paranormal Caught on Tape. <laughs> that's yeah, that that's just it. And so like it's it's this um, it is this device within horror movies where they see a thing and they don't they either don't understand that the thing is supernatural and weird and shouldn't really be happening, or they ignore it. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, the case in point, there is a point where Karen, who's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, is yeah. putting the old lady to bed. Um, and literally, there is a ghost hair monster yeah. that peeks around the corner and scares her. And then in the next scene, while she's shaken up, she just is going on with her life and not exactly. saying, like, no, I saw a floating hair creature. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I mean, like, think about it. If you right now... The listeners out there, if you saw a ghost right now in your fucking house, I mean, like full on apparition floating through your living room and like they're like, I'm going to kill you later. You know, it would be on your mind and all that you could talk about to everyone that, you know, is that got some right. for you. Anyways, go ahead. Um, and the other thing that I will say, uh, Toshio, right. That's a little boy. Toshio, yeah. Um, he is a little litter bug. Um, that was really making me mad. Yeah, a little shithead. Kind of- garbage everywhere <laughs> um I, i'm trying to think that there was oh the one thing that i really wanted to talk about in this movie that i don't think yes. i've seen in anything recently yes. i'm trying to think if there's anything but this movie is just fucking mean this is a mean movie well yeah and and the thing about that so thinking about the curse part of this right yeah literally anyone it's, that steps foot in the house <laughs> yeah i mean like that is that I mean I I love I this is a great movie. The uh, one other little dent that I will give it is like and like you learn more in part 2, I get it. But like no nobody did anything to like I know it. that's like, that's nobody, what I mean by being mean. Like, yeah, like I mean like the initial stuff with you know the dude and the you know the the wife and the husband. The Bill Pullman like, stuff and all that it, but, yeah yeah but i mean like no literally none of them in fact all of them in one way or another were trying to help like right. they see the you know, they see toshio in the in the sees supernatural toshio in the you know the, the tub or they see this or they see that so i mean like it's 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 always a case of like they're, they're actually all really good people trying to help out in one way or another and they just get fucked for it 
Yeah, I especially had uh, this time around a really sinking feeling in my stomach for the sister because literally the sister has no idea what's going on. She literally just like at was all. Help, like helping them to see the house. Like that's literally all she did. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's at her job and being plagued by one of the more uh, terrifying sequences in a movie I've seen in a while to where she is uh, plagued by kind of the sounds and the images uh, in the, in the stairwell in her workplace and then goes all the way home, gets all the way home. And then we have the terrifying sequence in the elevator where Toshio is in the background. And then she gets all the way to her house. She gets in her apartment, locks the door and we get one of the most for me, and I think for you who lives in an apartment who uh, can understand like how this works, is the sequence where she buzzes her who she thinks her brother in, and then the doorbell goes off immediately at her like actual door. Yeah, that for me was one of the scariest moments because I was like, if that happened, if you buzzed and then all of a sudden you're at my Knock. door, oh, oh my god, god. scary, <laughs> Sorry, scary, scary fucking sucks. shit. So fucking scary. Um, I thought it was funny that um, because it's 2004, we have yet another heroine that is plagued by home phones. Um, I know, const- totally. Constantly we're going off. I thought I found it um, very nostalgic that they had to page the receiver of the of the phone to find kind of the receiver. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I, yeah, the, there's just so many good sequences in this and it never fucking lets up until yeah. the end. And then the end is even kind of a, well, fuck you. She doesn't win anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we find out in the sequel. I believe she's kind of in a Jamie Lee Curtis situation where she's in a, an institution or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Weird to see Ted Raimi pop up in this. I, I was know, not expecting to see him. Yeah. And then I remembered that Sam Raimi was part of the production of this. Exactly. Um, and so he always puts his family members in, in his stuff. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, overall. You, you know what's I, interesting? I'm, I'm looking at the um, some <clears throat> of the, the stuff on IMDb Pro right now. And the awards for this, uh, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, this film, it, it did win the best score. Remember, this is Fangoria that we're talking about, right? Right. And it won third place for the Chainsaw Award uh, for worst film. What? I don't. I I don't remember this. I mean, I wasn't really into Fangoria back then, but um, I gotta look into that because I don't. I wonder if that's even correct. Like that doesn't yeah, make a whole lot weird. of sense because people that it, voted would have had to have liked this movie. I would imagine. I think the only thing that um, knocks this movie for me, and we'll talk about it also in our next movie, um, is that some of the lore doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't. Um, Because, you know, we have the detective who is plagued by, he tries to burn down the house and gets drowned. Yeah. Um, But there's also like, 12 other cops that were in the house during know, the investigation. Right. So yeah. what happens to them? Yeah, not 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 everything tracks together. Um, so that's, that's the only thing I'll knock about this. And, sure. and, and I, I'm not going to give mean, it too much credit because I'm, I, it got me yeah. really bogged down in the, in the next movie. But um, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I think with this kind of stuff, you know, it's like we, we can't expect a movie to give us all the answers. We just sure. can't. And, yeah. and, and when it comes to really complex systems, I mean, even as ridiculous as a curse, I mean, there's a lot there that you would have to explain in order to, like, get it, you know? And yeah, so yeah. I, I think that they I, – I, I actually have never seen Juwan. I don't know if you have. 
Um, I have, but it's been a very long time. Sure. I don't think that they go into the depth of the curse in Juan either. I'm fairly sure. Because I, I, no, think, I, that, think, I so. think that if you do, it becomes a very different film. Right. It suddenly isn't it isn't about the stuff that we just watched that we you know both agree is super, super scary and you know crazy and fun and all that kind of stuff. It then becomes a movie about like cursology. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and like that's I think that's kind of the thing. It's it, there, there, there's a point with with storylines like this where you just have to let it go and go, you know what? I don't fucking know. Right. Yeah. And I, the only other thing I'll say about this movie is that some of the scares don't work now because of weird CGI stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's, it's 2004. I mean, I will say that there's a, the, the moment on the bus where kind of she appears in the reflection. I was like, okay, we, yeah, we I get know. it. I like, know. Now, yes, um, the, the, the film is PG-13. Um, they, they had I, to... I kind of don't get that if they show... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. They had to remove some sequences. Like, I, I read a little bit about this. There was a sequence where um, the, the, the... I can't remember their names, but where the, the dad and Kayako... Uh, the husband or whatever, when he's in that jealous rage, he yeah. like, there's there's supposed to be a scene where he like stabs her like eighty times with a fucking box cutter. Oh and god, I know. And so that was one of the scenes that they had to delete because it wouldn't have been PG thirteen if they had kept it in. And I'm there just was... surprised that we have the sequence with Yoko and yeah, her sure. jaw. Yeah. Being... I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that was probably one of the more gratuitous things that got that got past the censors, but it is PG thirteen now. Twenty the twenty twenty remake or was it twenty twenty? I think yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Twenty twenty that one is rated R. Have you seen that yet? I have not, and I don't really want eh, to. It's okay. It's not. It's not anything. Okay. To write home about. I don't know. Uh, the cast um, is really good. That's what I'll say about it. Also, one more thing too. Um, and I mean, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert hated horror films for the most part, but um, this film is on Roger Ebert's most hated list, which I thought was funny, and so received funny. only one star out of four. Rest in peace, Roger Ebert. We do miss you. Um, one bef- star. I mean, come on. He he know he, he didn't like horror movies. Him him and Siskel, they both didn't really like them. Um, although they did like the Changeling. I remember that. Uh, before filming, also the cast and crew went through a ceremony where they were blessed so that nothing bad could happen to them for the filming, uh, which is probably good because as far as I know, there's no like real life curses around the making of this film. No, not that I know of. And there's there's uh, if you look at the Japanese lineage of Juan, there's like, I don't know, five movies in this yeah, series, right. um, including a crossover with The Ring uh, entitled Sadako ooh, versus... Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I want to, I want a Kayoko or whatever. Kayako. Um, yeah, I, w- I kind of want to watch that. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds kind of good. Well, um, Andrew, um, what is your rating of this film and what is your final takeaway? So here at Friday the 13th, we rate on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the gay old rainbow. I gave uh, The Grudge a 5.5 and I said a relentless and ultimately hopeless film filmed with or filled with scares that mostly work. It keeps it creepy and there really is never a dull moment. I gave it a six, one of my highest, and I said it's disturbing in all the right ways and The Grudge is a film that still chills me. And it has Cleo Duvall in it. So, I love know. Cleo Duvall. So being, that does it being for... A, being a bride for the first time, I think, <laughs> right, ever in film. Right, right, right. <laughs> so that does it for uh, The Grudge, folks. We'll be right back with our next film, It Follows. We used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself holding hands with a really cute guy driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. 
having some sort of freedom, I guess. Okay. You awake? You're not gonna believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. Are you following us on social media? You should be, because we're about to talk about It Follows. Maddie, tell us all about It Follows. It doesn't think. It doesn't feel. It doesn't give up. After teenager Jay sleeps with her new boyfriend for the first time, she learns that she is the latest recipient of a fatal curse that is passed from victim to victim via sexual intercourse. Death, Jay learns, will creep inexorably toward her as either a friend or a stranger. Jay's friends don't believe her seemingly paranoid ravings until they too begin to see the phantom assassins and band together to help her flee and defend herself. It Follows is written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, produced by Synetic Media, distributed by Radius TWC. Composer was Disaster Piece. I add that in because it's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Um, Jay is played by Micah Monroe. Kelly by Lily Seppi, or Seep, not entirely sure. Paul played by Keir Gilchrist, so good. Yara played by Olivia Lucardi, also weirdly good uh jeff slash hugh played by uh jake weary greg played by daniel zovato so sexy annie played by bailey spry the entity or the monster was played by ingrid mortimer alexis spradlin mike lanyer scott norman aaron stone don halas ellie barda and many many more it is rated r it's 100 minutes long from america it was released not in 1986 maddie you idiot it was released in march 13th of 2015 uh filmed uh in detroit berkeley sterling heights clausen and troy michigan budget of 1 million and the gross was 22 million bucks um that's it that's it follows the show's over no i'm joking we'll talk about it um it follows andrew it's one of my absolute favorites it's definitely in my top five um tell me what you think about it follows yeah i think that the concept of this movie is um pretty ingenious when it comes to modern horror because it's new <laughs> and like yeah what at what point do we really get new stuff anymore which i i sincerely applaud um i i think that it's got some good dread um, I, I think that I almost want a follow-up to this movie so that we get a little bit more about the lore of this curse, because in this movie, we kind of get a very rudimentary explanation of what is going on. And it, it kind of, it, it did drag down the movie just a little bit for me, just because I was kind of stuck in my head about like, wait a minute. So if it can get to her. So just to give you like one explanation of why I was kind of um, a little downer on this movie. I still really like this movie. I think it's a very well yeah, yeah. movie. I think the score is amazing. Um, and I think that there's like, there is a, there is a spectacular movie in here 
that I think it's bogged down a little bit by um, some meandering of, of, of camera shots and stuff. Um, but um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But my one example of kind of not really understanding how all of this works is that they drive for seemingly hours to a, uh, a, a house on a lake and literally overnight the entity gets to them but then in the subsequent events she crashes her car and goes to the local hospital and can sit there for i don't know a day or two and it doesn't get to her so it's it's that kind of thing yeah, where sure i enough. just wish they would have paid a little bit more of attention to the detail around the timing that they were working with, that it would have made this movie a lot tighter for me. That being said, I think the cast is great. I think that our main lead is very good. Um, she's pretty much good in everything I've seen. her. Oh, in she's so it. good. Um, and I, I will say I have down in my notes. I literally have what, what did I put? I said, the date that she's on, this guy would be our our type, um, but oh my in God. a bad way, in a bad way. Oh, my God. So he, listen, he is like my white trash, like, fantasy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> listen. I put down. I was like, this is where. This Are is you where, fucking um, kidding me? <laughs> this is where the Maddie and Andrew uh, circles connect is um, this yeah. guy from It Follows and how ter- terrible he is. Oh, my God. Listen, he, he's, he is he's real sexy. <laughs> Um, and I, 10 out of 10 would do, I would let him probably pee on me kind of thing, which I don't <laughs> like even, I'm not really even, I'm not even into that. Just want to point that out. Um, yeah. So, uh, it follows, uh, yeah, it's, it is, like I said earlier, it's one of my absolute favorite horror films. Um, I still remember watching it the first time, um, in my apartment in Chicago and like truly being like kind of blown away by it. Like, like you said earlier, it was something entirely new. And I think that's really hard to do in any genre, let alone horror. Um, you know, that there's plenty of great horror films, but you know, look, there's only so many like plots that you, we can think up. That's just the fucking truth. Like no one is, is that ingenious. You know what I mean? Except for maybe Ari Aster. He kind of is. Um, this is one that did it. Like it, like it took a monster and made it something really different. It's like a curse and like made it something also really different and gave us a movie that we can really think about in pretty deep ways. Um, I think that uh, the cast, like you said earlier, is just so fucking good. I mean, these young people, because they are all young people, are very good actors. Like every single fucking one of them. Micah Monroe, fantastic. And I was saying, you know, Yara even, Olivia Lucardi, kind of a smaller role. Not a throwaway role in this at all. Like the is way she the clamshell girl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the way that she delivers her lines, the way that she really embodies this character of Yara is incredible because the the thing about this movie is that these are all real people. They're <clears throat> all real people to me. And like I, I kind of feel, I mean, when you have a movie where like you kind of feel like you know them in one way or another, do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. I mean, it's a very familiar um, area that they filmed in, in kind of a exactly. suburban eighties, eighties slash nineties slash early two thousands kind of. Well, thing. I it's, mean, like the the style of the suburb, exactly like that that kind right, of a right. thing. So it, it, it resonates with our generation. Without I think, a doubt. A lot, so. I mean, like you know, looking at at um, at Jay the entire movie. You know who I thought about the whole time was Stephanie. Like she reminds mm-hmm. me of yeah. Stephanie so much. One of our our best friends back home. Um, and so like, it, it was just like that feeling that like the familiarity, things, familiarity, yeah. but the things that happen to these characters then like really matter to you in a lot of ways too. 
Um, I think it's a brilliant performance from Keir Gilchrist, who plays Paul. Um, I think Keir is really good in a lot of stuff. Pretty much loved him he... in United States of Terror. Oh my God, he was so good. Moosh. Oh my God, he was so so good. I also think Daniel Zavato, who plays uh, Greg in this, is really really good. And Daniel Zavato um, is in the show that I like very 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 much from HBO called Station Eleven. He's a very important part of that series, and I totally actually forgot that he was in It Follows. Um, I think also why the film works so well for me is because of the actual curse itself. And um, I, I, I think it's actually sort of like a strength that they lean into. Like I get you on the timing. That does make sense. But I'm almost glad once again that we don't know too much about it because we're forced to rely on like just just like the oral legend of it. And the only one that we really know it from is from fucking um, Jeff slash Hugh, like the dude who, you know, under morally ambiguous reasons decides to pass it on to Jay in the first place. Yeah, I have Um, something to say about that too, but. Yeah, well, there's there's plenty in here about sexual abuse without a doubt, but. I, I I like that we don't know too much about it because it keeps us sort of on the edge of our seat when we're watching it actually happen. And when it does happen, it's crazy. Like in in the very first sequence of the movie, we see the first the, well, not the first, but we see the latest uh, murder of 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 the entity. Yeah, and, and while I fuck, applaud this girl running in high whoa. heels, she can take those off. <laughs> I know. I, I did think that this time around too. Um, <laughs> It was it, that 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 first kill is just absolutely gruesome, and it, it's a it's a shot that's done in such a way that it's going to stick in your head because how could it not with a leg turned backwards on a beach in Michigan? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh huh. It's one of the more arresting uh, images that we get in this movie. Arresting is a good word for it. Um, I think that like just. I think that we're on kind of like two different wavelengths with this movie. And I think that it's going to be reflected in kind of our, our overall scoring of the mm-hmm. movie is that I think that you are appreciative that there's not too much to explain. And I think that I need more to understand if that well, makes any sense. I, I think that that sort of tracks with how we think about movies in general, if I'm being sure, honest, sure. like the generally, and I, this isn't a judgment on you. I, I'm a, maybe a little bit more comfortable without knowing and for you, like like you said earlier, it, it makes you get in your head. And so I, I live can, and die by the rules. So that's <laughs> he does to his to his own to his own detriment. But it's it, but it, I think I think that is kind of it. You need to know the system before you can fall into it. For me, I'm like I don't really need to know the system. Like I just let's let's kind of like let's just see what the fuck happens, kind of thing. Yeah, it's just it's so the, the, there's just certain things in the movie. So take for instance um, the entity itself and how it kind of follows them. Mm-hmm. Um, in in two instances, it kind of breaks through a window and kind of gets in the house. But then there is another sequence where they're driving away um, to go to the pool where the ultimate showdown is going to take place, and it's on her roof. And I'm like, why is it yeah. on the roof? Like yeah, I don't sure. understand. Stand. like and i get it it's arresting it's an arresting image of a naked man on top of a suburban house roof like i get it but, but i just yeah. i don't get it <laughs> like, but, I don't but know. also well i i think that i think that it some of it too is just that it plays with you and he uh, jeff slash hugh sort of alludes to it when he says you know sometimes i i think it looks like somebody that you know or that you love just to hurt you 
And, and I think that is actually part of it. And, you know, look, we don't know the origin of the curse, although it would be interesting to eventually learn that, but we don't know really what it comes from or why it even exists. We just don't, we don't know. We only know that it gets passed in this way. And and it has sex with its victims. Exactly. Which is weird. Weird thing. Um, But, but it does. And, and I think my own personal belief is that it just, it wants to scare you. And I don't know, maybe you're tastier when you're scared, or maybe um, maybe it enjoys scaring you, or maybe that's actually just part of the curse. Maybe like the bean itself is there to scare you the fuck out of you until it actually does finally get you. Um, yeah, I mean, it, who knows? It, there, there, there could really be so many different different reasons behind it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say that the arresting image part of it doesn't hurt either. Yeah, and I think that I was just taken. I, I was thrown off because there, uh, the first uh, entity that's coming for her is an old woman, kind of in a hospital yeah. gown, yeah. and I thought that that was going to be her grandmother because they show a picture of her with her grandparents sure. right before this. But it, but then she says she doesn't know who it is, and so the the different entities that kind of show up, we have the woman and the old woman in the in the um the hospital uniform or whatever yeah. uh we have kind of the tall man which i do think that the the scare with the tall man i think it's they never good. should have put that they never should have put that in the preview because it's one yeah. of the best scares yeah. that they had in their arsenal and they ruined it by putting it in the preview. let, let it but, go too early yeah. yeah um because it is a really great scare and then we have the little boy who i want to say comes he, back yeah, so the the little, is he boy, the little boy on the bike later. The little boy is the one when she's in the pool and she says, "I can see you." That's the little boy. Oh, I thought that was her dad. No, well, no, no, no. When she's she's in the she's no, no, no. Not not in the end pool. In the first pool, the one the one behind uh, her house. Oh, the neighbor when, boy. It's, I get it's it. the little boy who like who's who's also like up looking looking in her window too. So he's like the peeping time. Yeah, and so yeah. The, these people come back. The, the 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 entity also appears as Greg himself when the man in the long underwear is walking to Greg's house. It's Greg as the monster. It it's, is. It is. It's Greg. I, I I watched a couple of videos about this because I had always wondered it. Because also, I think that the guy in the long underwear is cute. Um, <laughs> God, I'm such a horn dog. Anyways, um, yeah, it's Greg. It's fucking Greg, which is kind of wild. It, the only the only thing with that is that I kind of wish like, I mean, it's it's so it's so well shot. I'm glad that they didn't do it, but it would have been nice to actually see a little bit more clearly that it was Greg, you know? Yeah, I agree. Cause I did not put that together. Yeah. And it's also, um, it's, it's her mom, it's his mom. And then at the end, it's her dad. Um, it's crazy what this thing can do. Yeah, I did. Um, I did appreciate that. Uh, they have a moment in the pool where they say, what does it look like? Or who uh, is it? Or something yeah. along those lines. And because her sister is there and it's as, as her dad, which they don't really say what happened to her dad. Yeah. If I remember right, but he's definitely an absent figure in the movie. So, yeah, so one one thing about that is if if you watch the mom, which is not in the movie very much, right? But yeah. did you notice that the mom is always drinking? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got like so a big it's glass like of wine, she, or she's either, putting Bailey's in her coffee. That so kind he of thing. either left or died. That's what we kind of one get. of the two. Like, yeah. um, but um, there's a moment when she's in the pool and her sister yells like, "What does it look like?" And she's like, "I don't want to tell you." And yeah. I thought that that was. There are little parts of the movie that I think are masterful that are yeah. like I, I talk about the um, the whole beach scene where we 
kind of see in the background her friend walking towards her. And right before we kind of get the payoff, we see that that same friend is in the inner tube in in the water. Yeah. And before that, we had not seen her. So we didn't, we kind of had like, oh, familiarity. That's her friend. She's just walking up like no big deal. It's somebody in the background. And we get kind of one of the best scenes you know, put on film with that yeah. beach scene where her hair comes up and uh, he hits the Wild. over the he hits the chair over the entity. The entity pushes him away, yeah. and they go into that whole gun scene. I will say the gun thing in this movie made me very itchy this time around because I was like, "Stop firing the gun! You're injuring everybody around." You. I know, I know, um, but. Um, And that's what I mean about this movie. I think that there are scenes and kind of parts of the movie that are fucking great, that are masterful. I think that they, I think what this movie for me suffers from is a little bit of storytelling with the lore and then a little bit with some meandering shots that just come with it being an independent film. Sure. I, I think that there's a lot of shots of like the pool and a lot of shots of like floating water and like ants that I could probably kind of trim and just make it like a more a more rewatchable movie um i'm not necessarily that it would be a better movie but just like more just succinct if i'm if yeah. i'm kind of being honest um there was a part that i wanted to ask your opinion on because sure. the first time well not the first time i guess it's the second time when the entity breaks into her house and she okay. sees it in the kitchen there is a really weird um, thing that it almost looks like this girl was raped yeah. because she has her boob out. Um, she's missing teeth and she's peeing for some reason. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't know if you had any opinion on kind of. That's exactly what I think too. Um, I, I think that she was, uh, you know, look, we don't know who the person is. Um, th- I've, I've heard some theories that like it takes the form of like what, you are feeling inside or like what would like obviously scare you the most. And like, maybe this is like a vision of sexual assault for Jay. Right. Right. Um, After, you know, sort of being not even sort of, she was sexually assaulted. Like, you know, yes, they have consensual sex and then he chloroforms her and ties her to a wheelchair. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. yeah, But but even, even before that, just one more little thing. You know, that happens and like, look, I get it. He's got the curse. He's got to pass it on to somebody, but she didn't ask for it. And so there, there is a, there is without a doubt a part of the sex that then the consensuality of it or the consensual nature of it is becomes neg- moot. Yeah. It, it's, it's negated by, by what he actually did. Um, and you know, look, like I said earlier, it's, it's morally ambiguous. You know, look, if you had the curse, what would you, what would you do? And this is the only way to get rid of it. Well, um, and we see that later on in the movie where she doesn't want to pass it on to Paul, but she will go out to the guys on the boat. And so, aha, uh, uh-huh. did you know that there's a scene um, that was originally written that did not make it into the movie about that part? About her going to the boat? Yes. What, what about it? In the scene, this, now I haven't seen it, of course, but this is, this is what I understand. She goes about about halfway swimming and then she turns back that would make more sense they should have included that because i was under the impression she went out there to have sex with those guys and Mm -hmm. give another layer between her and the entity um and but then in the next scene she tells paul that she doesn't want to give it to him so it's like it doesn't make sense in the storytelling so i i I like that a lot better i wish they would have included that um the only other part that bugged me about kind of the setup for the movie is this guy hugh so that's is that his real name is that who he goes by Jeff, Jeff is the real name. Hugh was the made-up name. 
So Jeff slash Hugh, why does he wine and dine her before passing on this curse? I mean, this guy is like an attractive 21-year-old kid. Could literally go into a bar and have sex just like he got the curse. Have a Mm one-night stand with anybody. But instead, he chooses to really establish a relationship with Jay. Go on many dates before he actually has sex with her. It didn't... I don't, so, I don't get it. Is he I, just a shitty person? Like, well, for me, the way that I the way that I took it was that you know, the, the Annie that starts the movie. Annie's the first one that we see get yeah, killed. Yeah. Um, my thought was that he had passed it on to her, and that they were in a relationship before, or you know, whatever. Was and, she the girl he, in the photo or not? I, I I think that she was. Okay. Um, and and you know, it, the the movie does rely on photos. Photos are very specific and they're intentional. So I, I have to believe that that is what the deal was here. Um, but that, that he had given it to her and he thought that he had time. And maybe maybe he thought, God, it's finally going to be away from me because now she knows what to do. She, she's a girl. You know, for him, it's easier for them to pass, pass it off. So she's probably already passed it on and then it's passed on, it's passed on, passed well, on. Well, he, he said that. He, he hoping, says that in the movie that it's easier does. for a girl. Yeah, yeah he, was, he, he, he <clears throat> says right to Jay, he's like, you know, look, you're a girl. It should be easy for you. Um and, um, and yeah, so, so w- it, he didn't expect Annie to die or to die so quickly. And so when he sees the girl, the woman in the yellow dress at the movie theater, that's when he's like, oh shit, it's back. And now, now I have to give it to, you know, this girl that maybe he really liked. Okay. So you thought his intentions were pure. At I think the, that they were good. The establishment. Yeah. Cause like if, if you, if you watch their conversation when they're having dinner and like drinks, um, whenever that was like, you can kind of see that like, they're like, they seem okay. Like he seems like he's pretty cool, you know? Um, so I mean, I don't, I don't know. We like, we can't see into their souls, but I think that, uh, you know, look what he does. It's not great, but it's also ambiguous once again. And and we have to think like, once again, if I had the curse, what would I do? I would probably, I would probably give it to somebody because your, your nature of, of survival would kick in. Yeah, um, I will say that uh, this movie does a good job of placing it in no time. Oh, um, so well. Yes, agreed. Uh, because there's things like the clamshell uh, reader, which it's would be so, so weird. It's so weird, but it's like a, it's, it's such a delightful little invention for this movie. Um, and I will say that that character that you brought up earlier is always eating in every scene, which yeah, I thought was funny. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, bologna and Doritos were the favorite yes. of this movie, which made me want Doritos really bad. But, uh, love Doritos. Um, they do a good job of like giving you like um, different eras of cars, different eras of TVs, different yeah. eras of technology to where you can't really truly place where this is, it, which it, I think... It feels a little dreamy almost. You know? Well, and I think for most people that grew up in a suburban setting like this you're going to straddle this weird line of old versus new because you can't always have all of the new stuff you might have one new thing or like one new piece of technology but you still got all the other old shit hanging around too so i thought that that was a nice little touch um i think i just think that I wish that they would have paid attention a little bit more to their own lore um, because what they give us is not exactly what plans out because, you know, when um, I forget who the name of the guy that she passes it to Jeff, right? Yeah. The neighbor. 
Um, he doesn't no, 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 see no, no. anything. Greg, Greg, Greg is the neighbor. Greg, sorry, sorry, Greg. Um, he doesn't see anything for three days, and yeah. that's like, okay, well, then what the fuck is going on here? Sure. Like, I don't, right. I don't really understand. Um, I think that the ultimate payoff at the pool doesn't really work for me because it doesn't work. Like the electricity thing doesn't work. I know. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. get why. I don't get why they did that. Like. It, in all of sense of purposes, Jay should be dead from electric sh- shock. Like, I don't get it. Um, and they, they ultimately think that they maybe killed it. But then at the end, you also see that there's somebody walking behind them. So you kind of get the uh, feeling that maybe it's still haunting them. You sure. don't really know. Um, so ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm high on this movie. I just have a lot of questions coming out of it, which yeah. maybe that's a makes for a good movie. I don't know. It's just... I don't know. It, there are such good scenes in this movie that are cluttered with other things that I'm just kind of struggling well, to let's, put my mind around. Let's talk about one thing that, that everyone can agree on, and it's the score. The score oh, for the film amazing. is absolutely incredible. Disaster piece did it. I wrote um, in my notes when they are walking up to the or when they introduce the uh, the the pool building that kind of. Yeah. Uh, the building with the pool in it at the end, it reminded me so much of when you were introduced to the ivory tower in the never ending story sure. like that. Yeah. It's got that kind of like, dun, dun, dun. It, 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 it adds to the dreaminess of it. It's, it's an incredible score. It's, it's like a video game and it's also like a bunch of other things. And yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that. Uh, disaster piece just really did it. Now, look, we've talked about this film for quite a while. We could talk about it probably for another hour, to be honest, let's give it our final ratings. So I said, as my main takeaway, there are a handful of scenes that are masterful and it's incredibly made, but the film feels overly long and meandering and I feel it didn't know how to handle its lore or the ending because we forget to talk about, it just kind of ends. Um, But I gave it a 4.5 and I think I'm going to stick with that kind of rating. Uh, I said, hands down, one of the most original horror films ever made, replete with the acting, directing, and composing that make a film impactful and memorable. Honestly, it's a fucking triumph. I gave it, I think, what is my highest, one of my highest ever, might be my highest, I don't know, six and a half for me. All right. Well, that does it for It Follows. And following this piece of media, you're going to hear our final game. And this time we're talking hottie of the episode. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. Shantae, you stay. And we are back. To close out our show, the 75th episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Happy 75, Andrew. Congratulations, um, Maddie. I'm really happy that we've been on this journey together for so long. Me too. For over four years now. It's just crazy to think of all the cool shit we've been able to do with this. Um, so we're going to play our final game. And the final game is Hottie of the Episode. Now, the rules here are very, very difficult. Um, here's what the rule is. Each of us is going to tell you the person that we think is the hottest out of the two films. Yeah, yeah. It's literally, uh, it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> complex. So, Andrew, tell me, who is your hottie of the episode? My hottie comes to you from the 2004 movie The Grudge, and it is Doug slash Jason Bear. Um, I have had a crush on Jason Bear ever since Roswell, where he played an alien. <laughs> and, uh. Uh, in this movie, he has the perfect hair for me. And looking real good. And oh, yeah. I'm really mad when he dies. And Jason Bear, call me. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Great choice. Uh, my hot of the episode is Daniel Zavato, who plays Greg in It Follows. It's a tough, tough uh, uh, selection between him and, and Jeff. 
Uh, but I think Daniel Zavato is really attractive, especially in this particular movie. Um, and like, he looks great in those long underwear. He just, I don't know why that's a thing for me, but apparently it is now. Um, anyways, folks, that is episode 75. We're so glad that you were with us for this. A uh, couple of things before we close out totally. A reminder that we are part of the Dread Podcast Network. If you go to dreadcentral.com, the folks at Dread Central have been doing great stuff for a very long time. Um, and the Podcast Network is the latest iteration of all of it. So go catch some other really great shows uh, like Mick Garris's podcast, for example, or Kim and Cat, for example, or uh, Girl That's Scary, you name it. We've got some really great shows in the network, and we're really happy to be partners with all of them. And if you want to communicate with us, you can do it in many ways. You can email us at fragay13 at gmail.com, and you can even call us on the Fragay hotline, which is 872 208 if you want to support Friday the 13th, the best way to do it is to head over to our website, Friday13.com slash support. And there you can become a patron on Patreon and you can even buy merch from our Teespring store. And listen, we understand we're not the best at the Patreon game. We're just not very good at it. But we would really appreciate um, any sort of support that you could provide the show to keep it going because literally your guys's comments, emails, voicemails, uh, dollars, all of it goes right back into the show and really keeps us going. And um, just, just a reminder that we are one of the few podcasts out there who we do not block any of our content behind a paywall on Patreon. And that's something and that honestly, we're, something that we're really, proud really, really proud of. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, you know, look, people do it. I'm not, this isn't a judgment. I'm just saying I like it when I don't always have to pay for something. And so we, we've always wanted that to be a cornerstone of how we do this. And I'm really proud that we have kept it that way the entire time. And honestly, it, really our our little fandom that we do have pays for it in dividends oh my god uh, yes as far as support and everything so god, we you love you people so much if you can't do the uh, monetary support we totally understand but hey we still want to hear from you and we still want to connect with you so i think that um you know we're talking about how we can do some more stuff with our listeners maybe a live show or something on zoom or something along those lines so we'll kind of keep you updated as those kind of uh, start to develop. I think the fourth year of the podcast means we need to up our game a little bit. Agreed. Um, so, Andrew, um, what a wonderful episode. What a wonderful episode. And what wonderful people listening right now. And to all of those people, Andrew, I want us to tell them to get, get slayed.
Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.